and I see the does all come in and it looks like they hit the bottom of the cut and they start to move to the right, but the buck is lagging behind. He's still sort of just up above on the hillside feeding and not really paying attention. Uh, the does look like they're going to keep moving to the right and eventually they get far enough away that he doesn't want to lose track of them. So he heads down, you know, to, to chase them. And so all the deer are moving down to the right. Well, I can pop back up over the, the ridge a little bit, book it down, and there's this nice little cut that feeds right down to where it looks like they're going to go. And so that's my, like, okay, if they're, if they're moving left to right down this thing, I can head them off. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. What's up, guys? It's Eric from Late to the Game Outdoors, and uh, this week is going to be a little interesting. Uh, Hopefully the story is interesting, but... uh, if the sound quality sounds a little less, uh, I apologize for that. It's just the reality of where I am. Uh, I'm traveling for work this week. Uh, I'm in kind of like an old house cabin sort of thing, and it's freezing and supposed to snow tonight, so I have space heaters running in this room to keep me from dying. So I'll do my best to clean all that up. I have my mobile mic, which is not nearly as good as the other mic. These are all excuses. The point is I want you to know that I know that this doesn't sound as good as it's supposed to. But the story should be solid. So, let's get into it. This is a story really all about Arizona in January, which is a terrific time to live in Arizona, or to travel to Arizona, really. Uh, I know this is weird if you're listening for other parts of the country, because January, like, everything's done, and you're probably covered in snow, and no one's getting outdoors for anything. January is when things are just ramping up for us out here. So it's it's a great state to hunt if you don't mind that everything, plant and animal alike, is trying to kill you on some level. But Arizona, we have this, uh, this very generous over-the-counter archery tag uh, for deer. Some mule deer, some coos deer, a lot of both. Um, and th- there's, I mean, they, they've restricted a few units over the past couple of years, there's talk of restricting it further. It's a whole debate we don't need to get into right now. But uh, essentially, you can buy one tag in January. In many units, you can hunt all month. January 1st through the 31st, it's wide open. Go hunt, go chase any antler deer. If you don't fill that tag, there's another season, late August, early September, kind of the velvet season. Use that same tag and go try to hunt them then. And if you still don't tag out, there are some units that open up in December, usually the second half of December, and uh, you get a third chance on that one tag. So I love it. It's terrific. January in particular is usually about when the rut hits for for both coos and mule deer. Um, And often, just to make things even sweeter, you can draw an archery javelina tag in a corresponding unit uh and it's a draw but it's mostly a hundred percent draw for in so many units there's always a big list of leftover javelina tags it's not hard to get a javelina tag to add to that over-the-counter deer tag so a guy can head out with his bow and two tags in his pocket in january hunt the desert when the rest of the country is freezing cold i mean our the highs will get up in like the 70s in many places where we hunt it's just gorgeous you get to chase rutting deer just incredible so this january uh, i spent the first week filming my buddy josh's hunt uh i talked about that in episode two of season two just a couple episodes ago go back and listen to it it's terrific hunt uh he tagged out on this massively old amazing coos buck and so with, with that behind me it was now time to you know pick up my own bow and focus on my own hunting. I had a javelina tag in my pocket, which was open until the 20th. I had that over-the-counter buck tag, which was good the whole month. And just there's a table of units that are open. The the tag isn't uh, necessarily dedicated to any one unit. So you just have tons of options for where you want to hunt, what you want to hunt. And so life being what it is, I had just been gone for a week. There's obviously work and family stuff to juggle. 
So I was finding myself in that situation I'm often in, many of you are probably often in, where you can't get away for a long stretch, but you just kind of, you can steal a morning or an evening here or there. Uh, and so I, I did that a few different times. Uh, sometimes I went out to the, the family farm that I've talked about a few times where I've had some success on deer. Uh, and there's always pig sign uh, and see pigs semi-regularly except when I'm trying to hunt them. Uh, they get pretty nocturnal out there, so, uh, and they're just kind of hard to predict. But every now and then, you just, you run into some. It's a great hunting opportunity. Uh, I also, there, there's a mountain range not far from my house my tag was good in that I've spent a little bit of time. Always good pig sign, though I still have yet to glass up a pig in that range. Uh, but everywhere I go, I see where, hey, this is where pigs are. They're just not here right now. Uh, and there's deer back in there. Uh, I had a couple days last year back in this range right after having COVID. And uh, so I didn't have all that long to hunt and my stamina wasn't what it should be. Uh, but saw saw a handful of deer, saw a couple really nice bucks. So wanted to get back in there. Uh, but again, I would, I would just kind of bounce back in, you know, a morning before having to start work or I'd wrap up all my work around, you know, a little bit after lunchtime and then head out to, to make the most of the last couple hours of daylight. And it was pretty uneventful. There are not really stories to tell other than hiking and glassing and watching and not finding anything. So finally, as the, as the month was getting into the second half of the month and I wanted to really make a, a more concerted effort to fill one or both of these tags, I, I was able to squeeze in some time for a quick, like, like a day and a half, you know, a one overnight backcountry in that mountain range I talked about near my house. Uh, and it was, I, I'm a soccer dad, which sounds so weird and so not masculine but uh but no my my oldest son plays club soccer so we're at the soccer field constantly i try to be a supportive dad so i try to be at as many of his games as possible and he had a tournament weekend so we had three games in three days uh and i had sunday and monday that i could hunt but he had a game sunday morning so went to the game immediately left from the game grabbed my gear ran out to the mountains thinking i could probably park my truck hike in Hunt the evening, camp, hunt all the next day, and, you know, hike out, hopefully heavy, the next day in the dark. Uh, and so, uh, went out there, and I had, I was going to, a, taking a route into these mountains I hadn't taken before. Uh, and, and the roads in Arizona, if, if you're looking at a map, and you're looking at dirt roads, there's virtually no way of predicting how good or terrible they will be. Uh, they just, they, there's a lot of them. A lot of guys love riding, you know, their quads and their side by side. So they don't, I mean, within reason, it doesn't matter what the road is like. They're just zipping up and down. So I, I had this road that I was going to drive as far as I could before it got too sketchy. And then whenever that point came, I was going to park and hike what I figured would be about three, maybe four miles, mostly up the rest of the road uh, and over, you know, through a saddle and up into this range. The road, of course, turned to crap way sooner than I expected, added probably a mile to my hike, uh, but that's fine. I'm hiking on a, you know, beat up two track road is, is easier than just off country into the mountains. Uh, so hiked on in and it took a little bit longer than expected. And I got kind of up into the, the beginning of the range, like up through a saddle. I'm like back into the mountains now. And I had a, a point marked where I wanted to camp that was near where I had seen some big bucks up kind of towards the top of the mountains the year before. And I realized that I had not planned this out super well. Like I just kind of eyeballed, I didn't even like draw the, the path to see exactly how far it would be. I sort of estimated. You look at a lot of maps, I hike a lot of trails. Okay, that looks like about, you know, three to four miles. In actuality, it would have been about six, maybe seven, uh, especially with the additional mile from having to park earlier than I expected. And it was already 3.30ish. And I didn't want to lose the whole evening uh, between you and me, I was already kind of a little bit gassed because it was uphill the whole way. I had a full pack. There's rarely, I haven't found reliable water in this range. So I was hauling an extra gallon of water with me and just decided, you know what, there's, I'm, I'm into this range. I'm off, you know, the road turned so bad that I even passed a, a guy who had just like shredded the rear axle on his Jeep, trying to rock crawl his way up this thing. Uh, he had, he had family coming to help him. You know, I didn't just leave him abandoned, but uh, figured, okay, no one is going to come this far into the range, probably. And uh, there's, you know, a nice little kind of bench not far from where I was and thought, okay, I'll head up there, uh, I'll drop camp, and I can glass kind of both sides off of this like finger ridge that I was camped on. 
So I got probably an hour and a half or so of, of glassing that night. And all I turned up was one doe. She kind of skylined herself coming over the mountain uh, right at last light. And that was it. But had a, had a delightful evening. There was cloud cover, so it was surprisingly warm. Uh, and then just, you know, woke up the next morning. And I love when I can find it, spots where I can just camp almost right where I plan to glass. You know, it's a hundred yard walk from my tent to my glassing spot. And that's what I found here. So just walked over, threw up the glass. It was three minutes or less of looking through the glass where I pick up a deer. And it's so dark that I can't fully tell. I, I think I'm seeing antlers, but it's I just kind of have to watch them for a few minutes for the sun to come up a little bit more. Uh, sure enough, it's a buck. Uh, not a monster, but, you know, a, a respectable, uh, pretty deep forked two-point. Uh, which, for the record, I know different parts of the country, we label our deer antler sizes differently. Uh, out here, we use if it's symmetrical, we'll just kind of go two point, like he has two on each side. Uh, it typically, if they're uh, asymmetrical, then that's when you get like, oh, he was a three by four or a two by three or, or whatever. I don't know why. And maybe there's probably even people in Arizona who do that differently. But that's me and my buddies. That's kind of how we we categorize our deer. And he was, uh, I was trying to remain patient. He was just kind of two ridges over. I'm glassing down and then just kind of all these rolling little fingers that I can sort of see uh, in between. And it's a good glassing spot. And there is, there, there's basically a, a valley uh, and then a hilltop and then another valley. And he is kind of over on the far side of that second valley. And he's working his way from my left to right. And I'm hoping I can just Often I get impatient and I see a deer kind of feeding along and I just think, man, I can head him off. I'm going. And sometimes that works. Uh, I have a buddy who's been very successful doing just that, especially when it's kind of close. You know, this deer's probably four or 500 yards from me at this point. He's not all that far. So I am trying my best to be patient, to watch this deer, see if he's all alone. He's not really like moving on. He's just kind of feeding. He's, he's making his way in a direction, but he's not in any sort of hurry. I think this will be great. I'll just watch him. It's early in the morning. Man, if I could watch him bed down, we'll, we'll do this textbook. This will be great. And of course, as he's feeding his way from my left to right, eventually I can see he's starting to move down in a way that he's about to drop out of my sight behind that, that ridge line that's between he and I. And so once he does, I think, okay, that's, uh, I don't know what's back there. Uh, I don't know if I'll see him kind of picking up. I can see on my map, it's sort of a it's a bigger bowl back there. So he could be back in there somewhere or he could just kind of slip out and I'd never see him. So I decided he's not that far. Okay, now that I can't see him, I'm going to drop down and try to head him off. Like I can just kind of cut through my little valley. I can pop up and over nice and slow and maybe head him off like I often try to do. And so I get up just to where I'm about to crest over that ridge. And I've been working real hard this year on slowing down, being just painfully quiet because uh, I've blown a lot of stocks. I tend to get busted in that 100 to 120 yard mark because I just don't slow down. And I get a little careless with my feet and I crunch a stick or do whatever. Uh, so I'm trying to do everything as right as I can and just go half as slow as I think I should be going. Uh, and so I decide I'm going to kick my boots off, do the, the stock in your socks thing. Lots of people seem to do that. It seems to go well. Well, I, I throw my boots off. And the first step I take after doing that, I plop my foot right on this little ball of cholla uh, thorns. Uh, cholla for non-Arizona people, sometimes called jumping cactus. It's this like spindly, uh, there's kind of like lots of rods and balls. Um, I, re I heard it as soon as I said it, but uh, it's the best way to describe it. Just these, these pieces of cactus that are kind of like long tube-like things, uh, and they just drop parts of themselves real easily. So they're called jumping cactus, because if you get, it seems like even if you just get near them without touching them, though you do technically have to touch them, like just parts of them break off and stick into you. Uh, it's a really crappy cactus, but uh, this particular range is littered with them, and, and what I just wasn't, I, it makes so much sense now, but I was just so focused on this deer that based on how they work, they drop parts of themselves just constantly and then those parts kind of dry up, leaves just the needles, and the wind just kind of carries them everywhere. So even though you can't see, like you can see big piles of choya that has, you know, fallen off and died. But there's also just all these other parts that are sort of spread out and scattered. And so anywhere you step, you can't see all the needles. They're just there. So if you drop into your socks, you're going to find them. So I put my foot down, 
put it in, you know, thorns, held my yelling uh, to not spook the deer. You know, I kind of sidestepped to try to catch my balance and put my other foot in some thorns. So immediately realized this is a horrible mistake. Uh, had to sit down, pull all this crap out of my feet, put my boots back on, and then proceed to try to carefully crest this hill and pick off this deer. Well, and all the time screwing around with my boots, this guy vanished. Uh, I don't think I spooked him. I kept the wind. I really, I didn't really make that much noise. But as I kind of crested over the hill and looked down, I realized what I hadn't really noticed on the map was that back down in this bowl, it wasn't just kind of a, you know, a gradual flat bowl on the side of a mountain. There were actually four little cuts just kind of sprawling out from where I last saw this deer. And he could have disappeared into any one of them. Uh, I, I stared for a long time. I sort of slowly repositioned, looked in a different direction. I was scanning all up and, and further out in the mountain to see if maybe I had spooked him and he was moving out. I could not pick up this deer again. And at this point, I mean, it's been hunting light for 20 minutes. Uh, and so I, I thought, man, I don't want to just blow up this whole basin, kind of going from drainage to drainage, trying to pick up this deer that, that who knows where he went. So, this, man, I glassed him up immediately. This I'll just head back to my glassing spot, sit down, glass up another one. We'll go from there. It's so simple, right? Unfortunately, there were no other deer. That was the only deer in that whole basin that I saw. I could have missed them, but I'm a pretty decent glasser. And I spent the next three and a half, four hours glassing both sides of that finger ridge, just back and forth. I would, I would just move you know, cover, sweep the whole area a couple times, then move over to the other side, sweep that area a couple times, just back and forth, and nothing. No deer, no pigs came out. There were just, that deer was the only animal in that area the whole morning. And so I, I have the whole day to hunt, but I start to get this, not panic, that's not the right word, but just this thought like, man, I don't want to waste a ho the whole rest of my day sitting in this spot where there is nothing. Uh, and, and there's not, there wasn't like a, a close, a nearby spot where, oh, if I just go up and over here, I'll get this vantage on this whole new area. Uh, it, I, it, basically I just had this idea like, man, this, this tag, both of these tags, my, my pig tag and my deer tag are good in a bunch of units. They're good at the farm, which at this point, uh, where my truck is parked, I'm about halfway between my house and the farm. So I'm already halfway there. And so I get this idea maybe born out of frustration, uh, but just that, man, if I pack up camp and bomb out of here, it's all downhill, so it should take me, you know, an hour to get back to my truck. Uh, I can get back to the truck, I can head out to the farm, grab a burger on the way, and catch the evening hunt out there. What? Let's Hail Mary, let's go. So, that's what I do. Uh, back to the truck, finally get out the farm, like 3.30ish, which is usually kind of the drop dead. I want to be there and getting set my glassing point so that everything can kind of just settle down before animals typically start coming out. And uh, sure enough, as I'm sitting there, just about 5 o'clock, uh, I catch some motion in the corner of this field. And sure, there's three pigs that have come in from the desert, and they're just feeding on this uh, alfalfa right there in the corner of the field. And they're in... They're in what should be the perfect spot. This is a play I've run before uh, where based, where I'm sitting on the farm glassing. I'm real near the, the fence line, the edge of the property. And the property is just lined with all this thick desert brush. So uh, if I can just, these things are 500 yards away. Uh, they're not going to see me because they're javelina. They're pretty blind. Uh, I can just hop right out, disappear into the, the desert use all that cover to get about 500 yards and then pop back onto the property uh, or at least just right off the edge where I can, you know, see them again, you know, have a 30 yard shot on any one of these pigs in the field. I'll be exactly downwind. This is perfect. So that's what I do. Hop out in the desert. I'm not far into making my route uh, and I'm not really paying that close attention. Like I have my goal. I'm going here to hunt these pigs. I scare up another pig who's out there. Like, I just hear he just barks at me. Uh, so I, you know, startled. I stop. I knock an arrow. Uh, I get that smell. If you've never smelled a javelina, they smell like death. That uh, We call them stink pigs out here. Um, but they, they can be fun. They make great, you know, chorizo or breakfast sausage or whatever you want. Um, 
but th- this pig is just in this bush, you know, less than 20 yards from me, but he's on the other side. I can't, I see motion, but I can't really see him. He barks at me. He stinks at me. Uh, and then he just kind of takes off and I kind of wrap around and try to, to maybe pick up, you know, often they'll kind of run a little ways and then stop and try to reassess. Uh, but he was gone. He just bailed out of there and I thought, okay, cool. Re reset my sights, uh, head right back where I was going in the first place. And so I finally get, I'm using, I can't see the farm anymore because it's just really thick brush lining that whole fence line. Uh, but I'm using my map and I see, okay, now I'm, I'm parallel with the corner uh, of this field where I want to be. And, and I've made this move before. So I know that as thick as the brush is, there, there are a couple places, kind of like animal tunnels that they've carved, uh, where you can sort of crouch down, crawl your way through. Uh, and as long as I can do that quiet enough, I should be able to just kind of pop up, find these pigs, get it done. There is also this big trench that kind of borders the property on that side. Uh, and I've never given much thought to what its purpose was. As many times as I've been out there, as many times as I've uh, made this play and come in from this direction, I have never seen water in this trench. But this was my lucky day. Because as I start to approach and look for a way, I, I get this horrible smell in my nose. I think, oh man, I must be getting close. It smells just like those pigs. It turns out that what I was smelling was three feet of just nasty sludge water that pigs have certainly been walking through and probably peeing in and who knows what else. Uh, it's just filling this trench. It's like a moat around the property. And so I, I stop and look at that for a second. And I must say that if I was making this play on like a massive buck, I probably would have just risked it. Like, okay, I'll walk through waist deep, nasty sludge water. Uh, and you know, whatever happens, happens. It'll be worth it in the end. I thought, man, for 15 pounds of breakfast sausage, I don't know if I'm going to risk Ebola or whatever is living in this water right now because uh, it certainly has some sort of horrible brain-eating bacteria floating in it. Uh, so I think, oh, crap. Okay, well, I'm not going through that way. And, and the kind of the corner of this field, the trench makes an L, but I don't, like, there's so much brush in there. I thought maybe it's just kind of dammed up. And if I sort of walk around to the other side of this corner, maybe it's clear over there. So I did that, finally found a spot where the brush was clear enough I could get up to the, the moat, and sure enough, it's still full of water on that side. So I'm like, crap, okay. Well, my only option now, if those pigs are still there, go all the way back, re-enter the farm from where I exited, about 500 yards from these pigs, and maybe they're blind enough that the wind will still be good. Maybe I can, on the property, but just re- hug that uh, brush line and go nice and slow, and maybe I can sneak in on them. As I'm formulating this plan, I hear a bunch of commotion and I see these three pigs, same ones from the farm. They have, you know, I've made enough commotion now just outside, you know, I was probably only 40 or 50 yards from them. Uh, They have heard that something is up and they tear off. They barrel through that moat because they don't care. Uh, They just take off into the thick desert scrub. Uh, I knock an arrow. I try to kind of run after them a little bit, see if I can kind of flank them. And I can't, they're gone. So I just perfect. This is great. I I keep an arrow knocked and kind of make my way. I think maybe those pigs I scared on the way in, maybe they're still around somewhere, but I don't run into anything. Get back to the spot where I re-enter the farm and I pop out and just kind of scan the field just in case for some crazy reason, those are three three different pigs that came running out. Uh, It was not. That corner I was looking at is totally empty now, but as I scan further in the field, there's another group of four or five pigs uh, kind of further towards the middle of the field, still on the edge, you know, still 500-ish yards away from me, but just kind of further to my left. And at this point, I have literally five minutes of light left. Like the sun has set. I can. There's still a glow in my pins. It's still legal, but that window is closing. And they are just directly across a wide open field from me. So I think I, I have nothing else to lose at this point. And I know pigs have really crappy eyesight, Let's see how much I can get away with. And so I uh, kind of move down the field so that I'm parallel with where they are, but you know they're still all the way on the other side of the field. And then I just start jogging across the field straight at them. My only hope is that they don't see, they won't smell me. The wind is still good. Uh, maybe they won't hear me because <laughs> I'm just kind of walking through a field. There's nothing really to crunch, uh, and just maybe I don't know how close I can get before they do see me. 
Turns out you can get about 200 yards from a group of pigs if you are just running straight at them in an open field before they realize something's going on and they bail off the property and disappear into the brush. So that was that was the end of that day. It was now dark. I had to walk of shame back to my truck. And uh, that was the call it a day. I did go back. This was, I think, two days before uh, my pig tag closed. I managed to get back for the evening. Uh, two, three days later, the last, last few hours of this tag being open. And I thought, okay, they were there. Maybe they'll keep a similar pattern for at least a few days. And as I drive onto the farm, I can already see this, this is going to be a problem because this is a working farm. It's not managed for hunting. It's managed to make money as a farm. Uh, they have already cut most of the fields. They're actively bailing hay in, in a number of them. The field that these pigs were in that I was going to go back and hunt has been cut, but it hasn't been bailed. And I think, okay, may maybe, maybe there's an off chance they'll come in. Like all the activity on the farm is elsewhere on the property. Maybe it won't spook them too bad. It's worth sitting here a couple hours and seeing what happens. And nothing happened. That was sunset. Pig season was over. But I still had 11 days left on my deer tag. And so I started to make plans and was able to find another two-day window to get out a different area for a, a two-day, one-night backcountry hunt. And I decided to go back into a spot that, that is one of my favorite spots. It's near and dear to me. It, for a number of years, it was my go-to December spot. If I hadn't filled that tag, which is usually the case, uh, I would find some time sort of in between Christmas and New Year's to get out there for a few days. And it was always just, it was a blast. I saw, I had seen maybe one or two like good, nice, big deer back there, but tons of, you know, forks and it was kind of more of a nursery area. Uh, but, you know, when you're in the final few days of the validity of this tag and it says any antler deer and your freezer's empty, I'm just going to go chase anything. Uh, and it was a great spot to do that because I would get three or four stalks a day uh, just because there were just deer everywhere in this spot. So uh, I hadn't been back there because of a couple things. First, there was a fire a couple years prior that just sort of blew through that whole area. And I figured it would take, you know, maybe a couple years for things to, to recover. Uh, but I hadn't been back there since. So I already had some, you know, worry that maybe the deer had completely been disrupted and changed pattern and, you know, just hadn't come back into the area. Um, and they also, as they changed up some season stuff in the last couple of years, like I mentioned, they had pulled this unit off of the December list. So it was now only open in January. Um, and my pig tag wasn't good there, so I hadn't been there earlier in the month. But now that pig season was over, all I have to chase are deer. Let's go back to this spot that had been so fruitful in the past. So I, I get up super early, drive all the way out there. Um, I'm hiking in in the dark, timed it perfectly. So I was, I was, you know, walking my way up the ridge that I wanted to glass off of. And it is just now like barely becoming light enough to see. Uh, it's freezing cold. Everything's covered in frost. Uh, my breath was actually like impeding my vision as I hiked down the trail. Uh, great, perfect deer hunting weather. Uh, and as I, I haven't even made it totally to the top of this ridge where I wanted to set camp in glass, and I just, I start to pop over and look in this other basin. Like there's a big basin that I wanted to, it was kind of the focus of my hunting. But off the other side, there's this other area that also I've seen deer in. And so I just kind of pop my head and creep up a little bit just to see. And even with my naked eye, I can see 150 yards from me, there's this group of deer. Um, but the, some are bedding down, some are still kind of feeding. Uh, it's barely, barely light enough to see. So I throw up my glass and start you know, counting and looking for antlers. And it's just one big group of seven or eight does and fawns mixed in there too, but, but there's no horns in the bunch. Uh, but it was so promising to know like, okay, this area is back. What, whatever the fire did, uh, you know, the, the feed looks like it's back. The There's fresh stuff growing. And, and now I have confirmed there are deer in the area. This is going to be sweet. And so I, I make the rest of the last little bit of the hike uh, just set down to glass. I, I don't even bother with camp. My plan is I'm going to hunt the morning because I'm here at the perfect time. I can I can set up camp midday if nothing's going on. And so uh, I start glassing in the, the, the main basin I wanted to glass. And it does not take long uh, to pick up some motion in the bottom of this drainage. 
Uh, I see, you know, I always seem to find the does first. I don't know, just like, okay, there's deer. Uh, and now at this point in the month, this is like the 27th, 28th, something like the tail end. Uh, and so typically the rut is winding down or has already wound down. Um, and this being a nursery area, I figured is probably a great spot to hunt during the rut. Since typically wherever the big bucks hide, they come to where the does are. And I know in December, this place is always full of does. And, you know, the, the little guys that are still probably hanging around with mom. Uh, so I'm not really expecting much in terms of giants. But as I glass up these uh, handful of does, eventually I see one deer lift his head. And it is just the widest, biggest 3x3 three three I've possibly ever seen. He's... Uh, I take that back. There was a massive 3x3 three three in Utah that I talked about in a previous episode. He was bigger. But certainly the biggest deer I've seen in this area. And he's just cruising with these does. They're, they're feeding. They're walking around. There's not really a lot of rutting activity. He's not really chasing them. But he's just sort of with them. Uh, and they're down in the bottom of this cut. And same deal. Like, I don't... They're not moving in a way where I think I'm going to be able to head them off in any real way. Uh, but they're only three, 400 yards. It's... The classic bow hunter plight. Like I, I love bow hunting, but where you're thinking, man, if I, if this was a rifle season, if I had a rifle with me, this deer would already be dead. He's just, he's right there. Uh, but I managed to be patient to watch him. Uh, they feed kind of up and over into kind of on the adjacent uh, side of this drainage that I'm looking into. And they, they're feeding around and they're getting into some thicker cover. And then, you know, I start to see less and less of them as they're sort of picking spots to bed down. Uh, and then eventually I pick up this other group of about three does with one, like, real nice big deep two by two. And, uh, sorry, I just broke my own rules. Two point. Uh, and he actually, he moves with the does away from where this big group with the giant buck is. And then I don't see his does, but I see him come back and he moves in right behind this, this bush where I had last seen the big buck. And then I see the big buck and him walking together. They're not, it sort of looked like the big buck was kind of chasing him off, but he wasn't being super aggressive. And they both walk behind this big old tree and disappear. I don't see them come out from there. So I stare for a good long time. The rest of the does are still kind of feeding, but one by one, they all kind of just bed down and pick spots. And so I think, okay. Those deer, those bucks have got to be bedded behind this big tree. Uh, and I, I'm charting my route and I think I know where all the does are. That they were kind of uphill and to my left of where those bucks are. So the, it, as far as I could tell, if I kind of work through this cut and come up mostly straight at them, I'll be able to creep my way up the side of this hill. There's a number of good uh, trees and bushes I can use for cover. And there's just like the, this little bit of a, a cut in the side of this thing that would be between me and them. And based on my rangefinder way up on the side of the hill, I should be uh, well within bow range of them. And I think I'll get to the bucks before I would ever get to the does so that I, in theory, won't bust the does, which would bust the bucks. And so that's, uh, again, I have a full pa a pack that's still full of all of camp. And so I just garage sale the thing right by my glassing point. Like I dump all of the camp stuff, dump the spotter, like anything I'm not going to need. I basically want my pack so that I can have water and my pistol, which is on the belt. Because you never, you know, mountain lions, there's there's stuff. Uh, and, and I start to make my stock. And so I, I work my way all the way down. And then I kind of cruise along the bottom of this the creek bed that sort of runs through it. And as I start to get to, to their side, where I'm about to start to crest this hill, I drop the pack. Uh, based on my experience in the last mountain range with all the cactus, uh, I decided to, to just deal with a little bit of extra weight. I brought my, uh, my trail runners, uh, swapped the boots for the trail runners, even tucked my pants into my socks. Because again, my whole goal this year was just slow everything down, be as quiet as possible, find a way to make this happen. And so I, I am just step-by-step step waiting for gusts of wind or this area seems to be under a pretty major flight pattern because I hear planes pretty constantly. So I would wait for a plane to be right overhead or the wind would gust and I would, I would use that to cover, you know, a step or two and just keeping visual cover, keeping noise cover. The wind, is, there's a prevailing wind just that's perfect. So I just start creeping my way up and I, I get to a point where I glass the tree that they're under 
and it's like 97 yards. And I clearly have a path I can see in front of me. You know, the next 30, 40 yards, there's, I can go kind of tree to tree to tree, keep using the wind, keep using the noise. I'm going to get right there and, you know, I'll be able to get eyes on them and, and assess and see if I have a shot or if I just need to like post up and wait for them to get up. Well, I, I'm making my way and I, I get another, I think I get to one, maybe two more of those bushes along the way. So I'm probably, you know, I don't know, 90 yards or ish from where they are. When suddenly two does that are 40 yards from me blow out. Uh, I did not know they were there. Like I said, I thought all the does were further up the mountain. These two had kind of posted up, I guess, as sentries or something. And so they go tearing off straight towards where those bucks are. And, and I don't know, like, at this point, it must just be instinct, because I haven't planned this, I haven't done this particular motion before, but I think, okay, they're going to run past those bucks, the bucks are probably going to stand up, and just sort of, like, look around and assess for a minute to see what's going on, so something just tells me, like, just go, like, run to the end of the, these bushes where you wanted to get to, and just, maybe you'll get a chance, maybe you'll, they'll stand there enough, for long enough, trying to figure out what's going on, that you can get a shot. And so I I just like book it straight up to the end and kind of pop around this last tree that I wanted to be. Uh, and I can see one of the bucks just standing there. I, I can't, his head is sort of covered, but beneath this tree that he's on the backside of, I can see all the rest of them. Uh, and so I pull out the rangefinder and I'm, I'm ranging him and I get him ranged right at 83 yards, which I, tr I, I do have a slider sight that I really on I only intend to use for uh, if there's a follow-up shot situation, like I've I've hit it, but it's still on its feet and it's farther out. And really, I got it just so I could practice farther than my, my last pin is set for 70. I really just got the slider so I could practice real far so that 70 feels closer. Uh, so I don't intend to like, oh, I'm going to roll the dial and, you know, shoot him at 83. But I'm standing there, I see him and I can see some motion of the other buck is there. Like both bucks were just right behind the tree where I thought they would be. They're staring at me. And I'm in just this brief moment where I have an arrow knocked and I think, okay, can I, there's no more cover, but there's open ground. Like I could, I could just walk 13 yards and get within range if somehow they just stay there. Uh, before I can even finish that thought, both those bucks tear off to my left because uh, it was clear now something was going on. Um, and I kind of, again, like at that, once I bust out a deer, I think like, well, what else do I have to lose? I mean, maybe I've seen deer, you know, they run 30, 40 yards and then they stop to look back to try to assess again. And so I kind of run over to my left to see maybe I could head them off around some trees. Never saw them again. They they tore off. So at this point, it, I mean, it's 1030 maybe because I had just, I I mean, I watched them for a while to bed down and then I just made that stalk as slowly as I possibly could. But I was feeling good actually getting that close to them. Like it, Everything almost happened. Like I said, I have historically been getting busted at 100, 120 yards. So getting to 83 really felt like, I'm okay, I'm, I'm getting this. We are getting close. And so I hike my, go grab my pack, hike all the way back up to where I had left all of camp scattered on the ground. Uh, sit down, you know, eat a snack, drink some water, recoup. Uh, and so I'm sitting there for probably half an hour. Starting to think about, okay, the day's heating up. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of deer right now. M maybe I should, you know, go use the hot part of the day to set up camp and then come back and glass the evening. And about the time I'm debating that, just with my naked eye in the bottom of this cut, I see more movement. And so I throw up the glass. And sure enough, there's five does. And there's this nice big four point cruising around with them. And they're heading down into the bottom of this cut where there's a little bit of water. And it... I'm watching the, again, like trying to debate, okay, can, can I head these deer off? What are they doing? How should I play this? And I see the does all come in and it looks like they hit the bottom of the cut and they start to move to the right, but the buck is lagging behind. He's still sort of just up above on the hillside feeding and not really paying attention. Uh, the does look like they're going to keep moving to the right. And eventually they get far enough away that he doesn't want to lose track of them. So he heads down you know to, to chase them and so all the deer are moving down to the right well i can pop back up over the the ridge a little bit book it down and there's this nice little cut that feeds right down to where it looks like they're gonna go and so that's my like okay if they're if they're moving left to right down this thing i can head them off 
Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out? I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book, How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game, as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west, or you're hunting for whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up, you'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash howtohuntbook. So that's what I do. So I just, same thing, leave camp right where it was, book it down. Uh, I mean, book it most of the way down. Once I started to get close, I started to creep a little bit and use use cover a little better. And so I'm coming up on this big old juniper tree that I think is going to put me kind of on this bluff, just looking down into the creek bottom where they were. And and it's going to block, like they're going to come, uh, move around to the right side of this juniper. So they're going to come down, not even get eyes on me. I'll just be there. And as soon as that buck passes, we'll have a shot. This will be perfect. And I get there, and I stand there, and I'm looking around. And I, I'm using the, the range finder sort of as like a, a quick little magnifier to try to see them i can't throw the binos up i'm looking i sort of reposition around the other side of the tree to look and i just can't see these things they're nowhere uh the wind is still good i didn't hear anything blow out i'm i look higher up on the the hillsides there's nothing there so i think that's so weird i, I don't know where they went i don't know if i messed with them i sat and waited for like a, a decent while just as maybe they're just moving real slow and eventually they'll pop out but there's nothing and so I think, man, that's that's the weirdest thing. I, I must have busted them out. I'll just hike right back up to my glassing point. And so I'm hiking back up, and I'm probably about halfway up the hill, and I look over to where they were, and I see these deer. Like, they are back on the hill where I first saw them. Uh, and they're starting, like, the does are kind of looking over at me because I'm just walking across the open because I figured they were gone. So I just, like, right where I am, I stop, I sit down in the tall grass and just stay still and watch them. Because it appears that what happened is they came down sort of out of this cut just to get a drink and then walked right back to where they were. So there, there they are. And I just am staring at that, sitting still, staring at them. They keep looking my way, but eventually I'm still long enough that they just sort of feel at ease and go back to what they were doing. Uh, and all the does start to work their way kind of back around the, this cut kind of wraps around and they just go into this little draw. Uh, I, I presume to bed down uh, and the buck sort of stays up high on the edge of this and he beds down between these two trees just you know deer the does are kind of up and to his right and he is just I mean he's 30 yards from the bottom just bedded between these two trees and so I can move slowly and I keep my eye on him to make sure he's facing away from me uh, and I just sort of slowly and cautiously make my way all the way back up to the glassing point uh and sure enough I, I don't spook him he doesn't look back at me he just stays bedded right there and so now i have a deliberation to what am i going to do how am i going to approach this uh because the wind is moving from my left to right uh i i would prefer in almost every case to uh <laughs> to approach an animal from up above unless the wind's not cooperating obviously but his does are up the hill a little ways over in this cut, and they are to his right. So if I, if I try to go up and use that cut and like side hill in on him, I'm going to walk right past his does. That's going to screw everything up. If I come from the top, uh, my wind will hit the does before I get within range of him, and they're going to screw it all up. So it looks like my only option is to approach from the bottom. And there, there is some brush cover and it's pretty steep at the base of that hill. So, you know, just visually I should have cover till I get kind of right up on him. And so I decide that's, I mean, he's just right there. He's bedded down. It's like noon, 1230-ish. He's probably not going anywhere for a bit. And so I move in after him. And uh, I, uh, I kind of, as I'm working my way down, like I can see him with the naked eye the whole time. He's 400 yards from my glassing point. Um, and I managed to, the, the hillside's mostly open. There's some cover. There are a few little cuts. Most of them, 
like the brush is pretty thick just in those cuts. You can't really just walk in the cut exactly. Uh, but so I kind of work my way where I can sort of be bouncing around in the brush. And uh, I, I get to an angle where, because he's kind of on the, the far side of the trees he's bedded between from me. And so I get to where I can't see his head. And I think, okay, well, you know, that should cover some of my movement and I'll move slow. And eventually I'll get far enough down in the bottom where he just can't see me at all. Um, and so that, that works out. Like I have eyes on him the whole time. He never stands up. He never moves. He's not even really looking at me. The does are around the, the backside of this little cut, so they can't see me at all. And uh, eventually I kind of drop, get low enough close to the bottom where just the, the angle of the hill, we're out of sight of each other. And so, okay, perfect. I get to the bottom of this. Uh, the, the bottom of the creek bed is kind of the noisiest part because uh, it's really sandy and gravelly. Uh, and so same kind of deal. I'm trying to use gusts of wind and airplanes to mask my sound um, and uh, ditch my pack uh, in a good spot there. And at the bottom of the creek, I'm 100 yards from the tree that he's at. And so I try as much as I can in the bottom to boulder hop uh, but slowly and trying to kind of check my weight on each boulder. There's one boulder that feels really solid. And then I go to put my weight on it and it shifts and moves. And, you know, a couple of loud rock clack sounds. I think, well, crap, that wasn't good. I'm, you know, 190 yards from this buck. Probably heard that. But I keep stalking. And so I painstakingly make my way up and I'm kind of in and out of all this little brush. There's a fair bit, especially towards the bottom of what we call out here cat claw. It's because the thorns on this thing are shaped exactly like a claw of a cat and they work exactly the same way. So they constantly just pull right through your pants, stab you in the shins uh, and tear your skin uh, because these bushes as well as cats are evil. Uh, there was another point on my way. Uh, I say all that to say as I'm creeping up and I'm now 70 yards from the top of that tree. Uh, there's just one spot where there's this, the only way through, there's these two cat claw bushes sort of intersecting in the path I'm trying to take. And so I do my best to, I try to kind of step up high enough so that I can sort of push all the cat claw down and then walk through it. There's one little strand that I don't get and it gets caught up in my pants. And it, there's just like, there's no real quiet way to unstick yourself from that and to deal with it. And so that brush against my pants gets way noisier than I want it to be. And I, oh, crap, okay, this is, this is loud, but he, I can't see his bed. I can just see the top of the tree he's bedded in. Uh, wind is still pretty good. Just keep making my way. And so I keep I'm creeping up and creeping up. And I am now, like, I get to 35 yards from this tree before I can almost see the bottom of it where I should be able to see him bedded. And theoretically then where he could see me. And I, I, can't, I still can't really see him. So just every gust of wind, I would take one little step uh, and keep trying to work my way a little further up and kind of work at this point, working a little bit to the right where I could see between these two trees where he was bedded. And so I get to a point where I am 28 yards from this first tree. I'm like, okay, I'm, I am 30 yards from this buck laying here and there's enough tall grass and the angle is still such that I can, I can sort of see where I think he should be, but I don't have a clear line of sight. And so I decide like, okay, this, I should just, I should just wait. Like eventually he's going to stand up and surely I'll see him when he stands up. And if he doesn't know I'm here, he'll just sort of meander out to one side or the other. And I'm going to have a top pin shot on this guy. I'm there for probably five, six minutes when I see all of his does now, kind of up on the other side of this little cut from where they had been bedded. And they're looking over at me like they know something's going on, but they're not like running out. They're just sort of looking and investigating and moving a little bit. And I think, okay, this is perfect. If his does go, he's going to stand up. He might be a little bit more alert, but this is going to draw him out. And so I watch the does and they move and I look back at the bed and nothing happens. And the does move a little further and I look back at the bed and nothing happens. And this goes back and forth for what, you know, 20 minutes and nothing happens. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to push it, but I also don't want to stand here for three hours on an empty deer bed. And so I decide, okay, with every, from, from here on out, with every little gust of wind or airplane or whatever, I'm going to take another step. I'm just going to work my way to try to get to where I can physically just see where he was bedded or at, in my head, I'm still hoping where he is bedded, get eyes on him and then wait it out. 
But eventually, a few more steps up the hill, I can finally see, and I'm looking, and I'm staring. I'm like, okay, this this is an empty bed. The, this buck vacated before I ever got up here to the top of this hill, somewhere between the boulder in the creek and the cat claw on the way up. I must have made a noise that decide, he decided, okay, this is time to go, and that's probably what got his, got his does up in the first place. And that, you know, when I finally noticed them, they were already on alert because the buck had left, is what I assume happened. So, man, that, but, I mean, this is now one o'clock or so, and I have stalked two massive bucks in a morning. Uh, this is incredible. Back up to my glassing point I go. I'm starving. I'm thirsty. I'm dehydrated. And uh, decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest. I'm going to refuel. I'm just going to sit right here and uh, see what happens. And so I glass for a little bit, uh, eat some food. Uh, somewhere around, it gets, you know, it's like three o'clock. The day's getting really hot. Nothing's moving around. And I think, okay, I could, I could use a mental change of pace. Let me walk over. It's, it's not far, you know, it's a hundred, 150 yards from my glassing spot where I plan to camp. Let me haul all this camp stuff that's laying all over the ground, haul this over, set up camp. Maybe I'll glass up over the other side, see if something's going on. So I get camp set. Uh, and I'm now in that like four, four thirty after eating some more food. I'm like, okay, this this is go time. Things should be up moving. Back to my glassing point. Glass all evening. Nothing moves. No, I shouldn't say nothing moves. There are three does show up. Uh, they I watched them for a good long while. There was no buck with them. And it got dark, and I went back to camp, made dinner, went to bed. Next morning, I wake up, and I'm just so excited. Like, okay, after yesterday was amazing. Today's going to be amazing. This is terrific. I head right back out. I start glassing, and there are no deer anywhere to be found. None. Zero. I saw nothing. Uh, no, no. Late, late, late in the morning, before I was about to, like, I need to move somewhere, I saw three does. And then I bounced over to the other side of the ridge to, like, look at all this other stuff. I saw two single does in two different spots, uh, way out up on some mountain stuff, and nothing else. And so now I'm like, what, how, can, how can the hunt pivot so hard from one of the best bow hunting days I've had uh, to absolutely one of the worst but that's that's the nature of it i mean i was down in that bowl three times the day before can't say i exactly blame the deer for deciding they wanted to hang out somewhere else so i decide the the best thing is probably to to go check some further drainages like okay i went down in there a bunch they probably went up and over and there's a number of bowls and and cuts and draws all through this country let me go down and you know, down and up to the other side and then start working some of these other bowls. And this is middle of the day. It's, it's sunny. It's warm. Figure they're probably going to, you know, be bedded down, but I can, I'll just stare into every single bed. Uh, surely I can just pick up a deer bedded down in the shade. Uh, I've got the spotter with me. Why not? And so I check one bowl and then I decide nothing is in there, so I'm going to move around and, and check another. But then I catch two hunters kind of coming over this, the kind of walking down this this old road trail thing that, that works its way across this spine. I'm like, shoot, well, there's other hunters. I don't want to go where they're going. So I kind of change course and move the other direction. And I checked four different cuts uh, just post up and, you know, binos on the tripod staring two to three times into each and every bed uh and you know just grid searching the hillside you never know things could get up and start moving around i even looked the last one i looked in i was looking down in the cut and there's nothing and i start looking up there's like this bouldery cliff you know it looks like sheep mountain lion country but you know why not look up there too and there was absolutely nothing and so I am now hot and tired and frustrated. And I think, man, there's, there's other hunters here. I've been pressuring them. Clearly other guys have been pressuring them. I, I thought I had like a pretty educated guess as to where they would go in their pressure, but I'm not seeing them there. I might, I guess I'll just head back. You know, it's, it's two 3 o'clock, something like that. I have to be out there that night. Like this is a Thursday night. I've got work stuff. I have to do Friday. So my plan was I could hunt. I mean, if I shot something late in the day, just be out there late pack it out in the dark still got to be home because i got to wake up at home and start doing work the next morning and so i decide i'll at least get a jump i'll pack up camp have it all set uh and then you know it's three it'll be three thirty four o'clock 
I can at least glass uh, either till dark or, you know, as frustrating as the day has been, I'm like, okay, if nothing's moving around by five, maybe I'll just throw my pack on, hike out of there. While I'm packing up camp, another hunter comes down the trail uh, and, you know, we start talking and he's been in, in and out of this area all week. Uh, sometimes alone, sometimes with other buddies, we're, we're swapping stories. He knew about the big three point. He had seen him. He'd have been after him. Um, but you know, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm right up here on the top, uh, you know, glassing from behind this tree. Uh, it, you know, he said, I know there's two other hunters off this way. Uh, there was this lady in here watching birds this morning. I, like apparently there had been a whole lot of activity I wasn't even aware of that day. Uh, so that was, he was great guy we had a great conversation but i also was like well crap there's just a lot of people in here so i get camp packed up it is close to four o'clock i'm sitting down the sun's going down and i'm just gonna let, let me glass this bowl a couple more times if nothing's moving i'm getting out and sadly nothing was moving that that was the the, the most unceremonious end after such a great day of bow hunting a day where i saw a total of five does and hiked like seven miles and didn't turn up anything that I could stalk. Uh, but I hiked out, you know, uneventful. Uh, I hiked with my bow in my hand. So I came in with my bow on my pack because I was hauling water and cameras and all that stuff. Decided to hike out with my bow in my hand because you never know. And and on the, on the trail out, there's this pretty big section that has a lot of thick timber and a lot of really fresh grass and... Uh, there's creeks running through. And so I'm like, you know, this time of day through the country I'm going to be in, it wouldn't be irrational to think I might, you know, just kind of jump up a buck. And if I get lucky and the timing's right, maybe I could get a shot. But sadly, that didn't happen. I just tired out my left arm for no reason, hauling my bow. But, uh, but as unceremonious of an end as that was to the hunt uh, and to really the month, because that, that was the while the tag was still good for another couple days, I knew based on work and family and schedule and stuff that that was my last hurrah for the month. Uh, but man, I, I considered it a victory uh, just to to have gotten inside of 100 yards on two really, really nice bucks uh, is a massive improvement for me. Uh, you guys know I try to, to be a straight shooter and I don't act like I know everything or I'm just some like absolute slayer that every time I step in the field, something's going to die. That's not the reality. I'm working towards that. That's not where I am yet. Uh, so to move that line of getting busted from 1 to 120 down into like the 80s, I consider that major progress. Because now I'm now I'm getting into that like okay if just a couple things had gone differently you know if if those does weren't there or if that boulder had been solid like this would have been a very different story this would have been the you know I was packing out meat all day uh, dog tired but feeling great and there's you know another huge rack on the wall um, so I, I just you know to encourage guys who are maybe out there struggling in a slump whatever it is. Uh, Man, take take joy and encouragement in the little victories, in the little signs of progress, because there are so many dots to connect. There are so many things that have to go right. Some of that's within your control. Some of that is just, I mean, there's a luck component, I believe, to every every harvest, every kill. I don't I don't care how good you are. There are at least a couple things totally outside your control that have to go right. Um, so I I would just encourage you. Find if if you made any improvement, if you found yourself a little closer, or if you if you found a, you know, a buck when you hadn't been able to find any for the longest time, like whatever it is, take, be encouraged by the progress you're making because you just need the time after time. The, the, the at bats that you get are, are incredibly valuable as long as you learn from them, as long as they're moving you towards a direction of success. So that's my encouragement. I don't know if it's even a lesson learned other than when everyone says, slow down, slow down. And then when you think you're slow enough, probably slow down twice as much again. Because um, that seems to really be, that's the difference I'm noticing uh, in these stocks versus stocks I've made in the past. So that's what I got for you this week. Uh, wow, that one went a little longer than I expected, but I guess I was covering pretty much an entire month of hunting. So 
thank you guys again for listening. Uh, like I said, I am I am committed to the best of my ability to getting fresh episodes out every week. I'm going to stay on that. I'm still sorting through my inbox. I, I got a bunch of stories from listeners that I'm trying to, to set up uh, recordings with. Uh, so we'll get just kind of a wide array of stories coming. Um, I'm also, my wife and son have pig tags coming up in a few weeks. I'm excited about that. Uh, and then, uh, Idaho, I got two Idaho bear tags for, for the spring burning a hole in my pocket. Uh, and I can't wait to go on that hunt and also to bring you guys that story. So, uh, until next time, thanks again. Thanks so much for tuning in to hunting stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with late to the game, Go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.